0: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. A part of the furniture in the New Zealand Olympic Committee has finally called it time. Well, he's had three terms as the NZOC president. He's one of the good guys in the world of sport, and it's not often you can say one of the good guys. Mike Stanley has been the NZOC president since 2009, 13 years. His term was supposed to expire last year, but because of the pandemic and getting things through with Commonwealth Games and the like, it was extended just for a wee while, and he joins us right now. Morning, Mike.
1: Kia ora, Stephen, and thank you for that very very nice
0: introduction. Well, you are one of the good guys, and not many people would realise that you're a double world champion in in the big boat as well, and and that's something considering what the big boat did in Tokyo.
1: Oh, that's right, and that was a real thrill. Yes, and in fact, at this very moment, I'm driving through... um, Rob Waddell's hometown of Piopio to have a um, reunion with those rowers of the 1980s.
0: Oh, my God. So two, two world champions, 82 and 83. What do you remember about being in a big boat and, and why you loved rowing so much? Well,
1: being in a big boat is exhilarating mm. because, you know, the speed is um, a lot in sport and, and it's the fastest thing uh, around on the water anyway with rowing propulsion, so that was great. But just the camaraderie and the and the challenge of sort of, you know, getting all the things right and, and putting it together uh, on the day and, and, you know, two world championships coming out of it. So it was... Um, it was just a wonderful experience of a, you know, purely volunteer days. The risk was all ours and the reward was, I guess, as well. Um, but uh, it, it really uh, it, it made, uh, well, it changed my life, it really. If I look at the course of the rest of my life, I wouldn't be talking to you now if that hadn't happened.
0: Yeah. Did you think you were always destined to have a world of sport in your life?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't really seek it. I... Um, You know, I was uh, a teacher, trained as a teacher, and we taught at Long Bay College and Westlake Boys High School. And um, it was really quite by accident when the uh, sport management sort of started to get professionalised in New Zealand that I held my hand up to um, be the uh, first chief executive of New Zealand rowing and and somewhat to my surprise got, got selected for it, and it's gone on from there.
0: Where do you think rowing has grown or not in the last, in your tenure over in, as NZC OC president, where do you think it's gone? Has it gone in a the right trajectory, or could it, go, or could it go further?
1: Uh, no. Well, you look at sort of. Um the success of rowing, uh, you know, I mentioned Rob Bell earlier. He was a, a gold medalist, obviously, in 2000. And, and um, we had to wait until um, we had, had success at Beijing. But if you look at it build uh, right the way through, I guess, Tokyo was a very, very high point when uh, we saw those three medals on the final day and a total of, uh, of five if I get my recollection right and that was an amazing performance and to have both men's and women's aid standing on the dais in yes. Tokyo uh Followed by Emma Twigg. That was um, that was truly something very very special. So it's been a really professionally well run organisation. Um, you know there are always ups and downs, um, and uh, there's some challenges uh, in front of them. I, I know at the moment, but um, that was truly a remarkable performance in Tokyo.
0: I'm happy you said challenges because in the world that we live in now, you know there's a lot of focus on professional sport. It being completely professional, can rowing survive?
1: Oh, very definitely. Um, You know, obviously sports like rowing and and many others, um, their prominence is driven by the Olympic program and on the back of that world championship. So that's where you get your measurement of success. But if you look below that, um, what drives that success, obviously, is people participating at community level and particularly at schools. And rowing is in very strong space in the schools, and that's where the majority of our rowers now now come from. Um, You know, there are many of them now who... Uh, 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 taking advantage of U.S. scholarships and things, so there's a challenge there to keep their interest in the black singlet.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was at St. Peter's the other day, who are who are raising money for a big boat uh, for the young boys' big boat, and 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 I was thinking about it, and and how a lot of mums and dads nowadays don't they want to protect their children? They don't want them in hard contact sports do you feel that this is where rowing can jump in and say hey have you thought about this despite the enormous commitment required Oh, look i think there's a real opportunity you
1: know, there's a lot of talk you know in, in our uh, society you know about resilience and um those sorts of things well if there's a sport that is going to build that in people real resilience not you know stuff you Read on the back of a fix packet. Um, then it's then it's a sport like rowing, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful challenge. And the young uh, men and women that I've coached over the years um, generally end up. The- firmest of lifelong friends through it so it's got a lot to offer
0: yeah I love that word resilience because I know a lot of rowers and, and what they go through and if if a mum and dad wants their child to grow resilience it is the toughest and most brutal of sports because particularly at that elite level I always were you always are you, were you always happy when you, you knew that uh, if you, and I know this is this is probably maybe past the when you were rowing is that if you were if you were good one day it didn't matter if you weren't good the next day you wouldn't be selected.
1: Yes, it it had very much a black-and-white view to it, and I both benefited (laughs) and missed out from from exactly that view. And, you know, you you either choose to pick yourself up and get on with it when you have one of those disappointing moments, um, or you don't and you won't get the chance again. So it's very clear-cut.
0: When you were inducted into Sports Hall of Fame, what did that mean to you?
1: Oh, that was a a huge accolade, um, you know, from from new zealand really for for the performance of that uh, nineteen eighty two eight um, and, and that was um, you know that's there because New Zealand had a little bit of a hiatus in the eights for a while and, and it was quite a special performance. So to be honoured with my, you know, crew colleagues was, uh, you know, was really quite something. Uh, we all think that was very special.
0: You know what I've, I've always wondered, and you're going to laugh at this because you've been doing the job for 13 years, what does the NZOC president do? What is, what is the MO? What's the mandate?
1: Right. Well, um, so the uh, president sort of has a... a um, sort of a, a nominal title to it, but it actually is quite a, a, a not a hands on job but very involved in the organization. There's the international piece, so we're members of various organizations and forums for Olympic sports, which uh, I attend with the Secretary General or CEO, and we give New Zealand's voice uh, to the various matters being discussed there. Um, and then uh, domestically it's chairing the New Zealand um, Olympic Committee board mm. and being involved in their subcommittees and 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 reasonably and in, intensively informed of particularly the games teams campaigns and and how they're being put together so um, I've been very fortunate to have a very um, a helpful employer, in AUT Millennium, very, very supportive, and, and they've allowed me to you know commit quite a bit of my time to being involved uh, with um, uh, Barry Maester, uh, Karen Smith, and uh, now Nikki Nickel uh, as CEOs, but also um, with with their staff as well. So it's been a really enriching, rewarding uh, time of my life. What have been
0: the challenges for you in the last 13 years, though, Mike?
1: Well, the challenge that... Um, that, you know, if you look at the uh, where New Zealand was in the early 2000s, was to, was to get you know teams, our, our athletes um, onto the start line in really good shape. So that's been done through a, a big investment from successive governments, uh, creation of high performance sport New Zealand, and our very very strong relationship with them, and making sure that when the athletes come into our teams, they um, are welcomed, they are solidified in their um, in in their one team um, view of it and they're given the very, very best opportunity to perform on the day. So that's getting that whole games team environment right. But if you look at wider across the organisation, resourcing is always a big issue. So we have to have a significant um, commercial um, program in order to be able to help uh, fund our games teams and our organisation. And then one of the things that I'm very proud of is is, um, the way that we have uh, embraced the full New Zealand Whakapapa and uh, and Tikanga and and just how strongly that resonates uh, through our teams and our organisation.
0: Have you felt at times, particularly from a government level, that you've had to be a salesman for sport?
1: Um, Yes and no. I think the best people for sport are our athletes, and I just want to salute them for the way that they represent us on and off the field of play. There are some remarkable people amongst there, and we're going to see some of them on the sports, uh, on the rugby rugby fields uh, in the next few weeks, um, showing just what fine people they are. Uh, so I think they're our best salespeople, and, and we have a great ambassador program that goes out into schools and talks to the kids about sport. Yes, at times, you know, there is the sort of um, inspection of sport and whether it's doing the right things and the conversations around uh, is it developing people in the right way and the right attitudes and the right behaviours, and then is sport actually being responsible to the athletes in the way... Um, they are allowing them to participate in in the conversation around sport and, and what sport should look like today and the issues that face them. So they are the sorts of things that um, doesn't quite answer your question, Stephen, but <laughs> that run
0: through my mind. What do you think is the biggest issue facing Olympic sport at the moment?
1: Well, you know, the Olympic... Um, Olympics are a, a juggernaut. They are a, a huge event, massively complex to organise, very expensive uh, and um up until recently, there seemed to be a dwindling uh, number of uh, cities that yeah. were willing to take them on because of that. But um, that's that, uh, that's actually becoming clearer, I think. Um, so that's one issue that probably uh, is is taken care of. I think it it is the 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 value you know proposition of highly competitive, high performance sport, and and just it's. Um, its development of athletes and the allowing of the athlete voice, and the other one that's niggling away in there, of course, is the is the whole um, ethical issues around uh, uh, doping and also around sports betting. Those two things uh, uh, need to be constantly watched.
0: Yes, yeah, so and no, not not a lot changes really. Uh, I, I would you've said that the Olympic movement is a juggernaut. Can you give it put it into context when you go to these Olympic conferences and all the delegates? Are there together? How large are are these conferences? I mean, what's involved?
1: Well, there's 205 Olympic nations, as I understand it. So they are able to send at least two representatives. Some of them send more than that, of course, because they have um, you know pretty significant organisations that have uh, international relations directors and all that sort of thing. And they last generally for several days. Um, They have some workshopping of of key issues that um, the IOC, or in our case, we also engage with Oceania National Olympic Committees. and we talk about those issues, and of course, they have the, the procedural things of annual meetings and, and those sorts of things to to you know make decisions around office holders and um, finances and and all those sort of mundane things. So, um, you know, they, they if I'm critical of them, they can be a, a little bit of a <laughs> talk fest and people popping up their manifestos. But um, they are an opportunity for the Olympic family to get together and to have some you know good discussions around some key topics.
0: Do you do you think? New Zealanders and the world underestimate the power of the Olympic movement.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that you know we see the viewing figures and things. New Zealanders get hugely engaged with the Olympic Games, and by the way, they do with the Commonwealth Games as well, which is which is a, is also within our mandate. And that that's actually for a, an organisation our size that's actually quite. Um, rare in the world of sport. Usually, they are quite separate organisations, like they are in Australia. But we 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 bridge cro- across both of them, which presents its own challenges. Um, now, I, I, you know, I think once the games run, people realise just how big it is and just how hard it is uh, to be successful in that sort of arena. Probably between times, I think they miss. Um, it's it's easy to sort of uh, not understand uh, their mandate. You know. We have these issues like doping, and we currently have got this Russian issue. Um, and uh, the president is is very keen to remind us all that you know, the Olympics is about um, getting people to get together, uniting through sport, and to help make a peaceful world. We do it through having athletes of all different um, views and ideas and nationalities come together to compete against each other and to understand each other a little better through it.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I love that line. United through sport. Thirteen years. What's your best memory? Well, there's so many of them. <laughs> there, there must there must be one that stands out, and if it's a rowing one, I completely understand.
1: Yeah, yeah well, I probably def- I'll default to um, that day in Tokyo when we won three uh, three medals two two and two and eights, Golden and, uh, and and the and the gold to Emma. Um, and staying with rowing. That totally improbable win of uh, Nathan Cohen and Joe Sullivan in London, oh, yeah. uh, where they looked yeah. to be out the back door and came roaring back and actually won by clear water. I haven't seen anything quite like that before.
0: Some of these guys and gals have big engines in, in, in those boats. If there is one individual, one individual, and it doesn't have to be a New Zealander, that has, has stood for you as a beacon of the Olympic movement, who would that be? That is a really. Tricky question. <laughs> it does, okay, so if it's if it's if it's one, it could be two. I mean, you know, there are there are athletes of generations, Mike. And you go, yep, I understand that completely. Is there any one or any few athletes that you've gone? They totally symbolise what the Olympic movement's about.
1: Well, I think um, you know Usain Bolt, probably in 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 some respects because he's um, was is just such a superstar and was also so likeable. We hosted him at AUT Millennium. I still have a seat with Usain on the back of it because he had to have his own seat, but he wasn't like that at all. He was exactly like someone who'd grown up in, you know, or he grew up in a Commonwealth country, so he knew cricket and he played cricket and he talked the same language as we did, and he had the, you know, this wonderful sprinter from Jamaica. So he was a, um, the, the memory of him does stay in my mind, but I, I also, I think domestically, um, and I've mentioned Barry Meister and Kieran Smith as long-term CEOs for New Zealand Co- Committee, and I, I relied on them as well a lot in, in order to be able to uh, do my job and, and we formed a, a great team.
0: Well Mike I know from my experiences working with you, uh, you are one of the good guys. I know I used that in my introduction to you and I know that they're now going to have to split the role because the job is so great but I will just simply say this, thank you. Thank you for being a leader in, the, in, in this particular field but also for just doing your job with humility and, and grace and just being a good bugger.
1: Well, thank you, Stephen. If I can I can just sort of finish with, I just want to um, salute our wonderful athletes and, and um, what they do on and off the field, and also to the New Zealand um, uh, Olympic Committee team, the board and, and that group of people who have been wonderful to be a part of a team with.
0: Go and enjoy that reunion, mate.
1: OK, cheers, Stephen.
0: Here's some tips for maintaining your track stack. Um...